Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, beautiful, and welcome, or welcome back to the Take the Cake podcast. Okay, we are recording, we, as in me, am recording another solo cast this week. I decided to switch it up, and I thought I would do a little business solo cast. So we're putting on businesswoman archetype right now, and I'm going to share some of my experience with starting my own coaching business and uh, navigating that. It was such a interesting journey so far. I'm almost, I'm nearly hitting the one-year mark. I started my business in October of 2021, although that's when I like opened my business doors, so to speak. I have an online business. I don't have actual doors, but that's when I started taking clients, although I think the real business started way before that. Um, and so I can talk a little bit about that as well. So I think this will be a good episode for anyone who's interested in entrepreneurship in starting their own business in consulting or coaching, or even just starting something new in life, like a new beginning, because that's what it certainly felt like was just such a new experience. And I definitely have learned so much along the way. And to be honest, I've made a lot of mistakes and I feel really grateful for them because I learned from them. And so I hope that this will help inspire you and help you to uh, maybe start something like this on your own. Um, Let's do a little life update because I just have to share. Um, So today is my last day in the Midwest. Some of you, if you've been listening for just a short amount of time or if, if you've been on and off listening, Um, a few episodes back, maybe four or five episodes back, I was in the Midwest visiting my parents again, or I did it the first time and now I'm back. So two months in a row, I came to see my parents, just got some life stuff going on. And today's my last day of the second trip. And I woke up this morning feeling good. I was really tired, but it was like the type of tired where you wake up super tired because you had such a deep sleep, which is fine. So I woke up and I was like, oh, I got to go downstairs. So my parents have carpeted stairs and I went downstairs, started to go downstairs and I slipped and fell down basically the entire flight of stairs. Like I said, they were carpeted. I don't know how I would be if they weren't carpeted, how that would have ended up probably a lot worse. Um, but I just, it was really scary. Like I'm surprised as to how scary it was. It just happened so fast. And I just kept like thumping down all the way until basically the bottom of the stairs. And immediately I was like, I'm okay. Cause it was so loud. And my parents were home and my mom ran over and she's like, oh my gosh, she was freaking out. And I ended up with a pretty gnarly set of rug burns on my arm it's not too bad. It it felt worse when it happened. And then my butt is killing me. It is so sore. My um, left butt cheek hit, hit, hit it. It was hitting the stairs one by one. So I um, 
yeah, that's how my morning's been. But I'm really grateful I'm okay. And, you know, just lesson learned. Be careful down those stairs. That's the lesson. <laughs> oh, you guys. So um, let's get into the episode after that interesting life update. Let's go through. So I asked y'all on Instagram just to send me questions. So I honestly didn't really prepare too much for this, but I kind of wanted to do it this way. Somebody said how to deal with the fear of failing. Oh, I love this question because I've actually been talking to some of my clients about this. Um, well, one client about this. And the fear of failing. Here's my take on failing. It is not always a bad thing. And I think a lot of times failing is this almost like a bad word that feels like the worst possible situation. When in reality, failing is subjective. And if something, I mean, I know it's cliche, but I really feel like if things are not meant to be for you, there's a reason why. And it's not your character. It's not who you are. It's just life. It's just how life works. Like life, we all have different gifts and talents and interests and making a career out of that is hard. It's hard to figure that out. I think sometimes people, it takes them their whole lives to figure it out or it takes them trying and quote failing to figure it out. Just like it did me. I had no idea I would be doing this work, you know, a few years ago. And I have no idea if I'm going to be doing it a few years from now, honestly, like I just feel like it's so important to reclaim failing as something that can be good. Um, so let's practice it together. Let's all say the mantra, I am a failure together. Ready? Go. I am a failure. I know it feels like, eesh, I hate that. I can understand that. But I think the more you accept that failing is a way for you to learn more about yourself, learn more about what you like, what you don't like, what you uh, want to do, what you don't want to do, what feels uncomfortable, what feels positive, whatever it might be, the more you can accept that failing will really help you. Like, I don't want to say I don't believe in failing. A part of me does. I think more so just accepting that it's a part of life and everyone fails throughout their entire lives, not just once, not just twice, a lot of times. So I could look back on my business and think, wow, I've really failed X amount of times. And it's taught me so much. It has taught me so much valuable lessons and information that I needed to know and feelings that I needed to feel in order to um, grow. So that's a kind of a cliche answer, but I really hope that if anyone is listening out there who is not currently doing something because they're scared of failing, I would argue that the real thing that you really feel, the real fear that you have behind that is a fear that you'll never even try in the first place. That feels worse to me than failing. Like I know that we can all recover from an embarrassing or fail, fail situation. Like we can recover from that. Can we recover from never even trying because we're scared of the outcome? I don't know. Interesting question. Okay, moving on. A little more specific. Someone said, how do you make sure your coaching is effective for each of your clients' case? 
So I do a discovery call where I have people sign up for a 15-minute free call and I have them fill out a form that's really brief. And through that form, I can kind of even understand if a discovery call, like I can usually tell um, after the discovery call and after that form, well, not after the form, but after the discovery call, if it's a good fit. So the reason I have those discovery calls is to make sure it's a good fit. And if somebody is maybe a little bit more, like most of my clients I see are, are far enough into their recovery where they don't need like clinical treatment or maybe they are in treatment and I'm just a part of their, their journey. Um, so most of the time I can understand and I'm really honest with my clients about during the discovery call if I feel like I'm able to help them and support them at the moment. So it's a really good opportunity to make sure we align. And then I always ask my potential future clients during the discovery call to give themselves a few days to think about it. Some of them are like, no, I already know. Some of them need the week and it doesn't matter which one you are, but it's important that I give my clients some time to think about it. So that's how I can tell. And I do, after the discovery call, I do intake. And the intake is usually an hour to maybe an hour and a half sometimes, which is a little bit longer than my normal sessions. And during that time, I ask a ton of questions. It's jam-packed with questions that helps me get to know each of my clients. I don't have an agenda for my clients. Like I don't have like an overall step-by-step process. It's very specific and intuitive to every client. So that's how I generally try and make sure my coaching is effective. Also, I really ask my clients what they want. And that's a part of my coaching is making sure all of my clients feel like they have their voice is loud and clear. And if they ever have feedback, like every session, I just try and make sure my clients feel like this is their time and not my time. And I want them to have that autonomy. Okay. Um, somebody said, what do you do to prepare for jumping in and starting your own business? Um, let's see, what do I do to prepare? I decided to do school. So I went to the Institute for Psychology of Eating, and I also did an eating disorder intuitive therapy, eating disorder recovery coaching course. So I did two courses, and the Institute for Psychology of Eating was an excellent course, and um, it really prepared me because there was a lot of business. um, There was a business module that really helped. Honestly, though, I feel like preparing just practicing really helped me. Like, I don't think I've ever mentioned this, but I had practiced on a couple people in my life. Like, thank you to those people who helped me. And I just kind of came up with what I thought would be a good fit. And I practiced and, um, that really helped me. And I just kind of took it. I took it as I took it slow, uh, meaning like it took me a while to build my website. It, I did it really kind of like slow and steady and took it day by day. And I gave myself a very loose deadline and that helped me a lot in um, making sure I was accountable and starting it and making sure I gave myself space to breathe. But I think practice helps a lot and also um, maybe finding a school that you feel good about or just taking like a couple business classes could be good or even just one, like taking some business classes or classes that feel 
like they could really help you could be a really good investment and just help you to have that peace of mind. Um, okay. <laughs> Somebody said, what's the hardest slash most boring part of your coaching job? Give us the nitty gritty. Great. I love this question. It is boring to have to deal with all the logistics. So I really, um, you know, this is a good opportunity to talk about some of my quote failures. Okay. One of the things I didn't do was make a business account, a business bank account and hire an accountant until a few, like until not, my business was going on for a while before I did that. And that's a really important step is to, um, have an accountant, have a bank account, have a team person, team member to help you. Really a CPA or an accountant is a good way to start and they can really help you navigate that. And I also just didn't know about all of the taxation and filing and business. There's a lot to learn. So I feel like anything that you want to do, like in California, if I want to sell something, I have to get a seller's permit and you have to, you know, figure out if you have to pay taxes on it. It's so there's just a lot of stuff. And honestly, Google is amazing because anything that you want to do, just Google how to do it. And then like your state's, um, your state name. And I feel like that will help you. And I feel like find an accountant who can help you step by step. I personally have an LLC, which is a limited liability company. I am a single mem member LLC. So I decided to do that more recently. And that is kind of a whole other thing. You can kind of look up what an LLC is, but it essentially gives me, I like, I am not my business now. My business is like, it's a separate identity. Um, identity. Is that right? My business is a separate entity. Okay, here we go. So um, the nitty gritty, that would, that's what that feels like. Also, I schedule all of my clients on Sundays and for some reason I don't like doing that. I think it's because of time zones. So because I'm a virtual coach, I see some of my clients in person every once in a while. If they live in LA, most of my clients I see virtually it is uh, the time zones. Like I had to really learn the time zones and surprisingly, a lot of my clients are you know, international or on the other side of the country. And so learning about time zones and scheduling is a little bit of a headache for me. Although I'm so grateful. I don't even like complaining about that because it doesn't even take that long and it's fine. Um, but it's one of those things that I don't know, is a little bit annoying, but the nitty gritty isn't, isn't so bad. You know, I really liked building my website. I use Squarespace to build my website. So I really liked doing that. And uh, sometimes I get a little bit overwhelmed because I'm like, oh, I have to update it. I have to do whatever. And then I'm like, you know what? This is my own life. Like I'll do it when I have time when I want to. So that's what I'll say about that. Mostly the financial like organization and finding the right people to help you and like interviewing accountants and CPAs and which service do I want to file with? Like just figuring all that out is a little bit overwhelming. But once you get a groove, it's it's okay. Somebody said how to get attention slash people to see it if you don't already have a platform. I was really lucky to have a platform and kind of build my clientele from all of the social media I was doing years prior. Although I didn't expect, I did expect that I would have maybe some lulls and like maybe people wouldn't be able to financially commit or whatever it might be. And 
So I think it's important to know that when you start your own business, especially one like this, you might have to spend a year doing two jobs, like still working your quote nine to five or still working part time or still working to make money somewhere else and then doing your coaching on the side, especially if you are completely financially independent. Um, It's hard. You know, I I give my major props out to anyone who is in that boat. And so I feel like you might just have to anticipate that you'll have to work more hours than you would like or more hours than the average person for, you know, the first one or two years. And um, yeah, I think that's a good step to take. And then I feel like maybe taking a marketing class or an SEO class, maybe that that you would learn about SEO and marketing. SEO stands for search engine optimization, and that's a good tool to use. I also know that you can create a Google business page. I don't think I have that yet, but create a Google business page. You could try offering free sessions um, to start out and get like word of mouth referrals. Surprisingly, a lot of my clients come from referrals, honestly. Um, So that's a great way you could um, offer free classes in exchange for, you know, either in exchange for just exposure and and practice or in exchange for referrals or in exchange for um, like another service that you would like. Maybe your friend does nails and you say, hey, like I would love to practice on you if you would be open to get like helping me do my nails every once in a while, you know, something like that. Um, And then after I see all my clients, I send them a testimonial and feedback form and they, it's all optional and they sent, they give me their feedback, honest feedback, which I really appreciate. Something definitely I think to expect is to be in a space where you can handle feedback and know that that feedback means this person sees you as having potential and that's a really good thing. And the testimonials can be really helpful as well. I think just, yeah, referrals is a good option. You can always go like brick and mortar style and create some business cards or flyers and put them up in areas where you might have your clientele be more like have more traffic, meaning maybe you want to pursue health coaching or something. So you put your flyer up in like a yoga studio and ask the owner or whatever, if you can do that. I think it's just about going for it and not, you know, worrying too much about if it looks embarrassing or cringy because that's really how you have to kind of go about it. And then obviously we have social media. It's never too late to start. I would say don't be overwhelmed with um, all the businesses on social media. Just be yourself and the right people will find you if you are just yourself. And that's something that I've really realized and noticed about my business. And I'm really grateful for that. And that's been such a positive in my life. What was the first step in starting your business after making the decision to work from home? The first step for me was committing to going to the Institute for Psychology of Eating because I knew that if I did that, then it kind of gave me this buffer to like pursue school while still kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with it. So that was really a good decision. I feel like if you don't want to go back to school or don't need that, um, I feel like writing down like your interests and seeing what's out there job-wise that could be available for you and just figuring out like what you want for your future job and 
writing it all down and maybe even making like a vision board on Pinterest or a real tangible vision board and seeing what you really want for yourself and just spending time meditating on that and seeing what will come up for you. Um, even if it takes a month or a couple months to figure out what the first step is, um, I feel like any step you take is a good step in the right direction, if that makes sense. Because, you know, one step will lead to the next step, will lead to the next step. And um, I don't know, I feel like you're never really making a mistake if you just go ahead and try. Oh, another thing that is really helpful is if you are interested in a career or a job that you have really no idea what it's actually like, something you can do is find people who have that job, who have that career, and ask them questions. Ask them to do like an informational interview and just be like, hey, could I have five, 10 minutes of your time? Maybe we could jump on a phone call. I could buy you lunch and or coffee or something. And I could just ask you some questions about what it's like to do what you do. And something that I have done in my life that I've seen work really well is offer your help, volunteer for them if you have the time and space. That's actually how I ended up working for, I worked as an assistant to a woman who had her own business, but before she had her own in-store like business, I volunteered at her house and helped her do things and helped her just organize, helped her with emails. And then she started to pay me. She started, she ended up hiring me. I ended up helping her start her business. So I feel like just ask, just offering genuine help and support can be a really great window if you have that available to you. Somebody said advice for choosing what business to start if you aren't sure what you want to do. I feel like my last answer can really help you with that. And then the same person said, how much education do you need to start your own business, work from home business? What steps should you take? Again, I feel like you need as much education as you feel comfortable with. Like I, I understand that there are definitely pros of having specific education. And I think that that's such an amazing thing for so many careers and we live in a world where we're all just human beings and sometimes we have to make our own path for ourselves and for some people that serves them differently than other people. So as far as education goes, like what would make you feel comfortable? For some people, they don't, they maybe don't need a whole entire, you know, PhD. For some people, they don't, they do, you know, so I think it just depends on what you want to do and how what would make you feel comfortable and what would make you a good whatever you want to be. Somebody said you were slash are so new to your own recovery and are already selling coaching services. How do you justify that? Ooh. <laughs> so, okay, this is a this is a good question actually. So, I uh, learned in my my program that I took, my school that I took that the wounded healer, right? There's this archetype of a wounded healer who is somebody who has been through or is going through um, something and they want to help other people because of that. One of the most motivating things for almost all of my clients is knowing that I have gone through something really similar. And that makes me a really effective coach, honestly. I can empathize with people and it is 
very valuable information for me as a coach to be able to reach into my own bucket of experience and pull from it. I also feel like I have been fully recovered for a long enough time. It felt very right in my decision. I meditated and thought about it for a really long time. I feel like I didn't slash don't need to justify that experience in my life. So I guess I just did justify it in a way uh, by answering your question. I saw this question earlier and I was like, oh, okay. And I, I didn't want to skip it though. I think it's a great question, honestly. Um, so having this, we don't, we're never going to be perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. Doctors still need doctors. Therapists still need therapists. And I am not a perfect person. I don't have it all together. And I don't act like I do. And I feel like that's important information to share is that we don't have to be perfect in order to help change people's lives or change the world or do what we want to do. That feels very much like a a destination focused idea and not so much focused on the journey and, and what you can offer. So many people in my school, like I had a lot of classmates who were also really afraid of feeling like, oh, maybe I'm not ready for this. You know, maybe I'm not ready for this step. And I feel like that is in itself telling yourself you're not ready for it doesn't help. Like it doesn't make you more ready. It makes you scared and it makes you closed off. So that that's my answer. Just I I feel strong in my recovery and I have honestly a really great experience with coaching so far. I don't feel triggered by anything that my clients say. They can feel safe with me and I've I feel confident in my coaching. I don't have imposter syndrome and yeah. Somebody said how to manage your time, how to how do you accept payments and manage finances. Okay. So like I said in the beginning, it's important to have an accountant and somebody that can help you manage your finances. My accountant and I use QuickBooks, which is really helpful. So having like a software where you can just keep all of your expenses and write-offs and everything in one place, um, have a business bank account, which is pretty easy to apply for nowadays. As far as payments go, I'll be really transparent and say I use Squarespace scheduling to handle my payments and through that I use a system called Stripe and I use PayPal sometimes and Stripe just is a credit card processing software company whatever basically all of my clients have a subscription model although I can skip payments whenever I want but basically I accept it using the Squarespace scheduling system which uses Stripe <laughs> which is kind of confusing but if you want to look more into it, you can. So that's what I use. And it's been great. It's been helpful and I don't have any complaints with it. With PayPal, something to keep in mind is that there is like a processing transaction fee that will maybe something to think about. Although I like offering PayPal to my clients because I feel like it's it's nice and easy for people. Somebody said how to keep a solid work-life balance while working from home. I'm still working on that. Uh, yeah, I think it's just practice. And I was really lucky to have, I am really lucky to have some other coaches that are in my like personal network who 
are so kind and answered all these questions that I have. Like when I first started, that's another thing. When I first started, I had so many questions and um, I had a lot of people help me. Like, what about insurance? What about, which by the way, I have another good tip, get, get insurance if you can for your business. Um, so I just really asked around a lot and like fully just went for these questions that I had for, with people as far as keeping a solid work-life balance while working from home. My first tip is to know your boundaries. Like I don't actually have that many clients per day. Like I don't have, usually I only see about three clients a day, maybe maximum four if I can't. And I, I have a buffer day. So I have one day of the week where I don't I try not to see clients unless it works out that way, just to give myself some space. You know, I obviously also have social media, my podcast. So um, I think just practicing and if you feel really drained one day, like I'm honestly always working on managing my time. And for some months, I'm really, really busy and maybe I kind of overbooked myself. And so I don't take on new clients for a while and I kind of hold off and then I that's kind of my my model right now is what I'll do is I'll do discovery calls and I'll kind of have my clients taper off as they graduate. That's what I call them, graduate graduates. Um, and then I'll kind of take on more discovery calls, like more all at once. Um, so that kind of works for me really well, but just knowing your limits and honoring them. And I also think it's important to have a nice office space where you feel like you can really thrive and get out of the house when you can. Like I think having that routine built in where you can make sure you do these things before you start work. Like, cause you, we know how it is. Like we can roll out of bed and start working from home if we let ourselves. So have breakfast, take a shower, go for a walk, try and do something, you know, journal a little bit before you just jump straight into work get out of the house throughout the day, go to a coffee shop, go to see a friend, um, have, have a pretty, I wouldn't, I don't want to say strict, but like do yourself a favor and do yourself a service by telling yourself, I'm only going to work nine to five. Um, like I'm not going to work after that, you know, and really setting those boundaries. I set my phone on do not disturb after six 30 every day. And give myself an hour before bed to respond to some of my clients who text me. And then that's all I do. Like I don't let myself just work forever. Um, it's such a privilege that I'm able to do that. And that's, if you are too, then definitely I would say have that in mind. Um, and like I said, learning from your own experience is really helpful. Okay. Those are all the questions I'm going to answer. Thank you all so, so, so much for listening to this episode and I hope it inspired you to make the the plunge and maybe just think about what you want to do or or um just know that you can always change your mind in the future and if you're currently in a stage of life or you're in a transitional stage or you're just thinking about starting something new like I said give it a shot if you have it available to you because it could be such an amazing decision and um it's worth a shot, right? It's worth a shot and lots of people fail, including me. So just know that you are not alone. All right. That is that. Um, I hope that y'all enjoy. If you did, please give this uh, podcast a rating and a review. It helps me out so, so much. And you can head down to the 
info box below the show notes to get all of the links to my coaching, to take the cake Instagram, my Instagram, my dusty old TikTok. Um, yeah, let me know how you liked this episode and I'll see you all on the next episode. Bye.